And another thing, this is the podcast that sets the bar for podcasts around the world. My name is Jody Jenkins. And I'm Tony Clement coming to you social distancing in Port Sydney, Muskoka. Yeah, and I'm in Belleville, Ontario. Of course, both of us are in Ontario, and uh, which is in Canada. And we are doing our part, Tony, with this yes, whole COVID-19 situation. It has been tough. I'm not going to lie as a broadcaster, and I'm sure you can relate some of your experiences as well, but I'll go first here. But as a broadcaster, not being able to have access to our regular studio and be in the station... It makes things a little more difficult, but we are all, thanks to technology, we are all rigged up at home. And hopefully, as I learn more and more about home studios, we'll even be able to get you not just on a phone, but a little better quality. I noticed, by the way, you were on with Steve Paikin the other day doing his show, The Agenda. Yes. Was that Skype or a Zoom call, or what was that? That was a, uh, that was a Skype call. Okay. And we had uh, three on, there were four panelists. There were three of us on Skype, and I think one of us was on Zoom. It was all, it was all MacGyver to, to hell. Uh, so, you know, uh, we used a lot of duct tape and paper clips to make that show happen. Uh, and Steve Pakin was uh, at his home studio. Nobody was actually in studio. And uh, we made it work. So uh, I think there's more and more of that going on. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to have to move with the times and we want to keep our podcast going. Jody and I, we think it's, uh, it, it helps people to know that there's new content out there as they try to fill their days a little bit. So we're, we're committed to continuing with our podcast. That's for sure. Yeah. In this episode, we're going to chat and share some of our thoughts on this whole situation. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you about right off the top was some of the challenges that you're having um, with this isolation or being at home more than you typically would. I'm curious to know what are some of the things that you face that, uh, you know, haven't been the easiest. Well, it's, it's the reconstruction of our nuclear family because we have uh, young adults uh, as our kids. So two out of the three kids are back home. One of them is a law student at Western. She was very reluctant to come back home, but eventually my wife uh, basically ordered her back. Uh, my other daughter, uh, was, uh, she, she was working in Toronto uh, and uh, was doing shift work uh, at a hospital. And eventually she felt comfortable and safe in the hospital environment, but she did not feel comfortable uh, riding the TTC. Uh, the the public transit. Uh, so she eventually uh, basically canceled her hours and has returned home. So all of a sudden we're we're four adults in the household again, and uh, uh, we all. Uh, my wife has cordoned off the house, uh, not for social distancing purposes because we do come together for meals, but just you know we each have our own little area as as a workstation. Uh, so uh, we're, we're doing that and, uh, it's working, you know, it's, uh, a lot of people have a lot tougher challenges than we have. 
And uh, and then the only outing uh, is one of us will go out to do grocery shopping, you know. Uh, so that becomes the big the big thrill of the day is if you <laughs> you're you're the one designated to do the grocery shopping for the for that particular period because that's the only time you're kind of interacting with anyone else. I go for my walks. And, you know, I'm in Muskoka now, and uh, it's I'm in a little village called Port Sydney, so that has about 1,200 people in it. So you can go for a walk and not encounter anyone. I've, I've encountered a lot more people walking around, actually, now. Uh, and then, you know, you just do a friendly wave and uh, keep the distance. But it's uh, it's a, it, it has a different feel to it. Are you feeling the same thing, Jody, that it feels different even when you're... Now, you, have you gone out at all or have you stayed in the house? Yeah, well, I'll give you a little snapshot of how we've been handling it. I've got three kids, my wife and I, obviously, at home. I've been working from home for two weeks, just over two weeks now. And I've been, you know, taking it very seriously. We actually get our groceries delivered. Uh, I know not everybody is is in a position to do that, but fortunately we have been doing that. I have not been, I, I can honestly tell you, I've not been out to get gas. Um, my wife went out one day um, with the kids while I was working and she went to a full serve station. They're, they do exist around here. I think there's one actually. And she does that. Um, when I'm out for a walk, it's funny. I actually will see people up ahead and I'll cross the road to the other side. Like, I don't know if I'm going overboard, but I, I'm not doing it out of fear. I'm doing it out of the simple fact that I am doing my part. I want this over with. And I understand it's not going to be overnight, but I want it to be sooner rather than later. And I know you have some great thoughts on that as well. But the other thing I wanted to mention, Tony, that I'm dealing with, and I'm sure you may want to share some some thoughts as well, and I'm sure some of our listeners are, or maybe a lot of them are, is your mental health. It comes in waves for me. Like, And I think a lot of it is related to how much we take in from the media. And I'll give you a perfect example. I was feeling great the other day, and I went on to CTV News, and I saw a headline that said, um, man dies, uh, healthy man dies, Family says this tragic situation will not be unique. And of course, the first thing I think of is, well, geez, I've been, we've been told that, you know, it affects older people more, people that are immune, their immune systems compromised. Uh, if you've got pre-existing conditions and I'm like, oh my gosh, is this guy in his forties and his fifties? So I, I open up, the guy was almost 80 and I get it. He may be healthy, but they wrote, I find that media writes those headlines for one reason, to get people's right. attention and to, because it's all about clicking on the story in this is the biggest story going. And, you know, I, my heart was like, oh, geez. And I, I, you know, I gave in a little bit to fear. But, you know, I think people have to realize that, you know, you got to live your life. You got to be smart and you got to limit what you're taking in as far as media and coverage, because there is so much out there. Like you're th- like you have to see just as much as anyone else. I know you probably follow the news maybe more than I do. I'm, are you a news junkie? Well, I mean, I, I because I was health minister during SARS, uh, I, I, I feel I'm heavily invested in the story uh, because I'm, I'm constantly thinking about it and comparing it to SARS. And I've done probably about 30 media interviews across the country just because I had that experience of of battling SARS 17 years ago, so I ha- you know I feel I have to keep up on it because uh, I, I some yes yesterday is an 
people I did two media interviews. I got another media interview today. It, it just it's more or less constant. So, but it is depressing, and and you get these weird uh, mental health ticks going on. Like I, I think, can I say uh, that that uh, you know I think that people there's something called Schadenfreude. You know, the delight in the misery of others. Mm-hmm. And you know, when a when a millennial gets COVID, I think. Some some older people <laughs> go, you know, it's about time some millennial got got COVID. You know, yeah, it's not just us; it's these these millennials too. You know, this kind of attitude, and um, so uh, you know, you have to battle that. Uh, I think that's not a very healthy emotion to have. Uh, so, but we're seeing it from so many different angles, and and the other thing that happens is, you know, I'm obviously. Uh, on social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, mostly, uh, maybe you're more on Facebook, whatever. And uh, the memes are just, you know, it's it's almost black comedy. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, it it actually helps relieve the tension in my case. And I I share memes with my kids, and I posted one on Facebook uh, trying to explain social distancing, uh, which had, you know, this this is this is you, and it's a it's the Toronto Maple Leafs logo. And this is this is your friend, and it's the Stanley Cup. Yeah, uh, explaining that you should, you know, you're going to be as apart from the Stanley Cup as the Toronto Maple Leafs are. <laughs> so you know, things like that are are funny, and they get to relieve the tension. But uh, I think because this is the first kind of pandemic during social media, um, it, it 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 does. Uh, I believe, uh, intensify it. When I remember back to SARS, we didn't have this constant, we had our media, uh, we had our our media sessions and our our news releases and so on, but it's not the constant that you have with social media. No, not at all. And I would say Facebook. So I took four days off of Facebook when this all started, like about a week and a half ago. And I tell you, it was the best thing I ever did because I've found that Facebook is the absolute worst place for someone that gets caught up in news stories because there is so much false news or exaggerated news. It's brutal. Twitter is not too bad. I don't mind Twitter and Instagram. There's nothing about it on Instagram, really. So Instagram is fine. So my recommendation is if somebody is listening and they struggle with mental health, uh, especially with this situation, or you feel anxiety or fear, get off Facebook. Don't even check Facebook. And, you know, go to a reliable news source, which, Tony, in your opinion, what's what would be a reliable, the best place to go for information, in your opinion? Oh, gosh, I, I get it from a variety of places. I mostly get it through news aggregation on Twitter. So the World Health Organization is constantly uh, tweeting. But there, uh, on Twitter now, there's a COVID-19 sort of sub routine yep. and it'll just it just gives you a constant feed of news articles and i just click on them i i'm just before we started recording i was reading a news article about why uh russia might be an outlier like i just assumed that vladimir putin was lying about the covid numbers but there actually may be some reasons why russia might have, might have dodged dodged the bullet as, as compared to the rest of europe so i there's 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 those information sources out there and uh public health officials are constantly in the media but i i gotta say uh this is one of my earliest critiques of this uh, the cacophony of messages we're getting is sometimes not helpful. You've got different health 
leaders, public health officials at the national level or at the provincial level or at the local level, sometimes saying different things. Sometimes uh, the, the message is stay at home. And then the other times the message is, uh, you know, you don't have to stay at home. You can go for a nice walk. That's fine. Uh, pick up your groceries. So th- there, there is some inconsistency in the messages. And I noticed that the lockdown that the British, the U.K. government is doing says you're locked down. You shouldn't leave your house, but you get one time a day where you get to go for a walk. <laughs> and, I found, uh, and I found that very interesting. So th- there's all these different messages that, are, that we're getting, and it, it's confusing for people. And, you know, some people are going to ignore the messages anyway. Uh, and uh, that's, the, that's the challenge of the times that we're in, that uh, uh, I don't believe there is a consistent message on what social distancing is or what stay at home really means. So a couple weeks ago, I got it. You'll love this. I get an email from one of our podcast fans. His name's Brad Lawrence. Uh, we certainly appreciate his support. And he writes me, it says, uh, I think he wrote me on Instagram, said, Jody, just listen to episode 17. I had to catch up. And sure enough, uh, it was the one where we're talking about coronavirus. I don't know if you remember that bantering episode where I said right. that this would all blow over in like a couple of days. <laughs> and he just said, and I, I disagreed with you. <laughs> yeah, you and anyway, I wrote him back and just said, yeah, that didn't, uh, that didn't age too well, but I want to, yeah. I want to get some, some chat going now about the political side of things. And I'm going to start with who you think has done a better job. Um, and we'll, we'll use the Ontario rep example and then the country. So, uh, Doug Ford and Justin Trudeau, probably more in the media than anyone else from an Ontarian's perspective. Of course, that could change province to province. So Trudeau would be the, uh, consistent one there, but what do you, who do you think's handled it better, Ford or Trudeau? Oh, no question. Ford has really done a great job, uh, and has, uh, uh, communicated well. He's been serious. He's been credible. Uh, he's had real uh, things to say, uh, including uh, including um, you know about uh, cutting uh, hydro rates to, for to help people. So uh, I I, I got to give a lot of credit to Doug Ford, and it's been I've been surprising for some people. I noticed his uh, approval rating on how he's handling it is almost at two-thirds to versus one-third. So that's pretty good for Doug Ford because he had a very bad first year politically in power. And so I think he's really shone through that. Yeah, and I would tend to agree. And I know that with your storied background with politics, though, when this is all over, uh, how quickly will people return to, you can't trust conservatives, they want to cut everything. Yeah, I mean that's that's his uh, that's what happened to Ernie Eves in 2003. He he had very he had very high when I was his health minister and we were battling SARS, he had high approval ratings. He was going into an election uh in the fall of the uh, SARS happened in the spring. And uh that all that all disappeared, it all dissipated. Now he had additional problems like the massive power outage and other like he just had emergency after emergency in 2003. He was like the unluckiest premier you could ever imagine. But uh, I think that does prove that these things can be ephemeral. Uh, but heck, uh, you know, you got to give it where it's due. I think he's doing a good job. And I would have given I would have given high marks to Justin Trudeau until what happened recently when Parliament 
resumed and he tried to pull a fast one and stuff the emergency legislation with all sorts of taxation spending powers without any review by parliament. And I think that that has really soured the media on him because he he had this moment that he could have been statesmanlike and uh, he was quite frankly, well, let's, partisan. Let's, you know? let's talk about that, because I know you've been very vocal about not being partisan uh, during this situation, and you and I have talked, you know, outside of this podcast about conservative leadership candidates who send the stupidest emails during a time when the last thing we want to hear about is, you know, w- w- what you're going to do as leader. I just don't think it's a time for this right now, but I want to talk about Trudeau, because I'm going to play the other side here, and I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, not because I'm a big fan of Trudeau, but I'm trying to believe the best in everyone. And right. I got to believe that there was some reason why they were putting some of those measures in there. Is it possible that it had to be in there because for any worst case scenario or something went to another level where we just weren't, wouldn't be in a position to get things done? Or do you honestly believe it was as you know, the conservatives are saying, a power grab. No, I look, I think that he listened to the bureaucrats too much. Okay. Um, I, I don't think that he woke up one morning like pinky in the brain and said, okay, now is my chance to take over the world. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not that. It's not that. He, he, he relied on advice from the public servants, the senior public servants, uh, who, again, are very risk-averse, and they were looking downstream to the economic consequences of all of this and saying we need maximum power, maximum authority. Let's give ourselves almost two years to, to figure this all out. And um, But that's the role of the politician. I've been in that. You know, I was, I was industry minister during the financial crisis in 2008. So yeah, I know what it's like. You get, you know, there's, there's a time where you've got all of this goodwill to do something to save the country from economic chaos but part of your job as a politician is to have a political filter and say, is this going to wash? Because, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> we have democratic norms here. So I, the only, so I guess what I would blame him for was not having the political filter on when they, when they got briefed on what's in the legislation. Yeah, and, and I, I would agree with, with you on that. And I would think that the fallout of that could be somebody, and I don't know for sure, but I'm, maybe somebody's going to end up not having a job anymore because of of this, which is totally possible. The other thing I wanted to mention is that, you know what, at the end of the day, things worked out. There was a a tweet that came out from Scott Reed. I'd love to get your thoughts on on his approach uh, just a couple days ago. But Scott Reed came out and said that, you know, uh, he wanted to thank the uh, the skills of Pierre Polyev, Andrew Shear, and Candace Bergen for getting this deal done with uh, with a bill that was uh, would work for all involved. So, uh, but but you see, and and that's that's all true. And Scott Reed is a as a member of Parliament, Conservative member of Parliament from Lanark for our listeners. But uh, the the fact is, there was going to be some reckoning because it's a minority Parliament. If it was a majority government, Trudeau would have gotten away with it. Yes, uh, you know they're the. They, they could have stuffed it through somehow. But uh, anyway, we're, we're through that particular political crisis, and we move on. The, the point I want to make in this episode, though, is, uh, is it, and here, here it is in a nutshell, it's, it's easier to lock down a society than to get out of the lockdown. 
Yeah. Uh, we, we, we think the tough decision was to lock down. That actually is an easy decision because people were ready for it psychologically. They wanted to be locked down in a way because they saw what was happening in, in Italy and saw what was happening in Spain and so forth. So they said, okay, we're, you know, we're ready to be locked down. So that's the, that's the easy part because there's more or less unanimous agreement to lock down. Now, lockdown, week one. There's a lot of social solidarity. Week two, you know, people are, are kind of getting a bit antsy, but they understand, you know, that we got to wait for results to get better. Uh, if this thing goes into week three, week four, month two, month, month three, uh, people are just going to go nuts. Like, uh, you know, when, when, do you, when, is it, when do you make the decision to lift the lockdown? I, I've heard some social, some uh, public health officials say it can only happen if we have three weeks in a row with zero cases. Wow. Three weeks in a row. Like, when will that be? <laughs> that, that, that could be months from now. Yeah. Wow. And I know everybody's piling on Trump, piling on Trump. He's an idiot at his press conferences and so on. And then they're piling on him because he said, you know, we got we to gotta start planning to rev up again. Uh, but, you know, uh, there is a point at which society is going to fall apart. If we wait for three weeks in a row, 21 days in a row of zero cases, that's no time soon. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, I would agree with you mean, on that. I mean, people are, and then this is all based on a, a, on a, a social contract. Like, I, yeah, you could get the police out and start arresting people, but it's all based on, for 99% of us, it's based on us knowing that our neighbors are doing what we're doing, right? And that there's very few violators of that social distancing and self-isolation. I know my neighbor's doing it. I'm going to do it because it's the right thing to do. If I see my neighbor out there, <laughs> you know, yeah. if, I, if, if I see street scenes in Toronto where people are milling about because the days are getting sunnier and warmer, I'm going to start saying to myself, why the heck am I cooped up? Yeah. It's just, it's human nature, Jody. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying it's the right decision or the smartest decision. It's a human nature decision. And so that day is coming when we're going to have a big debate in our society about how, uh, and plus our economy is, is in the toilet. So we want to get that revved up again. So, you know, this is all fine now. Social distancing, yes. Self-isolation as much as possible, Yes. Ask me two weeks or three weeks from now whether that's the social contract, whether that's still in place, whether people still agree with that, because I think it's going to start to fray. So, Tony, your prediction then, when do we start to see a little bit of subsiding on the, the cases, if you were guessing? Oh, I don't know. I, we keep being two weeks behind Italy. Um, but, I, you know, we've got, a, we've got a relatively good healthcare system, and, you know, people are starting to play by the rules. So uh, I, I would hope in, in a few days' time there would be some good news. Um, so, yeah, I just want not, not to, not to not interrupt you. It's not going to be zero. Yeah. It's not going to be zero. Not to interrupt you, but is it fair for people to, and this will be our last point because we're running out of time here, but is it fair for people to automatically go, well, look at Italy. We don't want to be like Italy or Spain, which we don't. But is we are doing a lot of things that Italy and Spain didn't do. Isn't that correct? 
Yeah, right. And they, 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 in Spain, they had political meetings going on in the middle of the coronavirus, like conventions, for <laughs> yeah. crying out loud. Yeah. Talked about yeah. the Tory leadership, you know, but uh, the Tory leadership is a mail-in ballot. You can, I still think they should postpone it. But in Spain, they actually, 9,000 9, party members got together for one of the political parties right in the middle of the coronavirus. So, yeah, they did, they did a bunch of things wrong, for sure. All right. Well, we appreciate everybody tuning in this week, and hopefully we were able to offer up some thoughts for you and a chance to kind of just escape from all the craziness that's going on. And Tony and I can assure you it will get better. Uh, the best, uh, Our best days are still ahead of us. So, And, Tony, have you been uh, getting lots of feedback from any of your buddies on our podcast or what? Yeah, no, people uh, people are appreciating it and enjoying it. Uh, thanks for all the listeners and the subscribers. Keep getting the word out there. We're going to keep posting, uh, you know, uh, with our weekly schedule. So uh, we really do appreciate the feedback, too. It's been very positive, and, uh, and it means a lot to us. So check us out on Instagram. Check us out on Twitter. We're on Facebook as well. You can get us on any podcast platform out there we are on all of them so instead of just listing them all we just tell you we're on all of them do yourself a favor subscribe and you will never ever be the same again i borrowed that line from chris jericho do you know who chris jericho is no who's chris jericho he's a wrestler you know who ted irvine is no i I know hulk hogan (laughs) ted irvine (laughs) was chris jericho's dad or is chris jericho's father and he played in the nhl used to play for like, oh. the LA Kings back in the day. So Very was, good. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, we got to listen to him. <laughs> well, good good Canadian guys, too. So we, exactly. appreciate, we appreciate them. And our producer, Travis, is a huge wrestling fan, so I know he'll appreciate that mention on the show. Tony, we will talk to you in seven days. Stay safe and make sure. Oh, this is what else I was going to say. We shouldn't be calling it social distancing, by the way. Physic, uh, physical, physical distancing. Physical. Yes. Yes. Because yes. we want to We want to be socially close. So Exactly. <laughs> All right, enjoy the rest of your week. Okay, thanks everybody.